you are listening to the show and wish to join us in the chat room, visit paltalk.com. Go to the social issues, select other, and enter the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. Hello, this is Angela Thomas with a message about living life to the fullest. As a psychic clairvoyant, I often give insights to one's career path, financial situation, or relationship. Whether one is happy or not in their current situation, where he or she is right now is an important part of learning valuable lessons that can lead to fulfilling one's life purpose. If I can offer you insights, feel free to contact me at 636-278-2272, again 636-278-2272, or visit my website, angelathomas.org. I'm considered a psychic psychic, so I provide accurate and detailed psychic readings for individuals as well as groups. Remember, no matter what influences your life at the moment, live life to the fullest. Stay in gratitude, count your blessings, and prepare yourself for more opportunities around the corner. I'm Psychic Angela Thomas, and my website is AngelaThomas.org. Hi, I'm Stephanie Benetti, and along with Joe Montaldo, we host News on the Flip Side. Come join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Central for our three-hour program. We have opinions on everything, and we're not afraid to share them. False history gets made all day, every day. The truth of the new is never on the news, but you can find it here with News on the Flip Side. Remember, don't be politically correct. Just be correct. Join us. If you are listening to the show and wish to join us in the chat room, visit paltalk.com. Go to the social issues, select other, and enter the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. I had had enough. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general out oh, in the yeah, middle of nowhere? that's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off. When I was having this fit, I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. Give no lip to 
to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo. Tune in to UFO Undercover Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Paranormal, ghosts, spirits, demons, reincarnation, past lives, the afterlife, divination, exorcisms, witchcraft, the unseen, he's psychic medium Chris George, and he's Victor the Voice Fireman, we We are Second Second Sight Sight Radio, join us live, every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general out oh, in the yeah. middle of nowhere. that's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. The paranormal. Ghosts. Spirits. Hi, I'm Stephanie Benetti, and along with Joe Montaldo, we host News on the Flip Side. Come join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Central for our three-hour program. We have opinions on everything, and we're not afraid to share them. False history gets made all day, every day. The truth of the new is never on the news. But you can find it here with news on the flip side. Remember, don't be politically correct. Just be correct. Join us. You're listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Even a quarter of what NASA was doing. Um, So... I'm really impressed with the three, the three space programs, the three spaceships that they're building. Uh, I think they're going to all help us long term, and I really think uh, they'll be part of, of the future. I think they're going to choose more than one. Maybe they'll go in, in one of the shuttles, uh, but I really do think they're going to choose more than one. I think they're going to be developing other craft, because they are developing, well, there's six companies developing the new Mars craft. Have you all seen it? There's a couple of different names. Uh, there's a couple of cool ones. And then there's a group in NASA working on, oh, my God, faster than light travel as we speak. So um, fun things for the future, maybe. 
maybe. Interesting stuff at the least. Uh, we are going to see a, a, a bigger push to go to Mars. I got to say, somebody told me they couldn't believe how many people applied for the one-way ticket to Mars. By the way, I did. Um, it's, it's, I got to say, I was disappointed by the amount of people. I thought it would be a much higher number. Don't get me wrong, it was a lot of people. But um, I thought it would have been a bigger, a higher number than what it was. So I was kind of disappointed by it. But, you know, it is a one-way ticket to Mars. You know, after all, you're there, you're stuck, too bad, so sad. Uh, all you can hope is they send some people along, you know, next time. And that was really the goal. Send a group, establish a colony, and then every, was it every two years, every four years, send another group. For like 100 years, they want to do this. And eventually, you'll have a nice-sized colony on Mars. Uh, big, sprawled out, growing colony, each time bringing new technology and new gifts and stuff. So, and eventually, they'll, they'll build technology to go back and forth. And, and really, that's what we're going to talk about tonight is, is Mars itself. Uh, Mars has always one, been one of my favorite subjects. I have been posting some links today about different, anom different anomalies on the face of Mars. A lot of people hear me talk. Um, I've talked about the, the different tubes on Mars and different things. We're going to play a little clip here. It's a couple of minutes. I think it's four or five minutes. This is about the tubes on Mars. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. We'll talk a little bit about the pyramids and the face. And then we'll talk about some other anomalies on Mars that I find kind of fascinating. Um, you know, some people keep saying they find in uh, fossils. There are some things every now and then I see some stuff that could possibly be a bone, but it also could possibly be just some kind of rock that was eroded very strange from water. But let me play this little clip. I haven't heard this clip. I'm going to hear this clip with you all. Somebody sent me this today, so we're going to check it out. Uh, and there's a little one-minute one after that, and then we'll uh, come back and talk about this. So hold on one second. Or... A lot of people call them uh, ceramic tubes. Uh, it, it depends on where you go and who you listen to. I've got pretty similar interest in this area. For To me, for some reason, it just looks cool. It's got a lot of different anomalies. So let me show you where I got this from. This came from the Mars Global Surveyor. And it's the image M0400291. And you can get it by clicking here. And they've also, if you click here too, they've also made this one right here for you. Um, it's weird how they actually put this out in two different formats. And you can tell that the contrast is different on this one. Um, this is directly off the website downloaded. So this one actually works a little bit better because it's got a little bit more resolution to it. So let's go ahead and let's work with this one. I'm going to twist it around. And... Let's go ahead and make this the full size. We come back to that one in a minute. All right. So what we get out of here from NASA, this is just too cool to me. They look like they've been built, like it's a tube structure maybe or some sort of structure. And high tech, maybe low tech. Um, who knows what it could be. See, look how all these go up and over, up and over, up and over, up and over, up and over. Like this is some sort of ancient. And these, see this bright thing here? This almost looks like a self-illuminating, uh, like a total self-illuminating something. Let me get in there. 
see how it's got the brightness and then leaving it it is actually color you can just see how it goes from the shades uh, if you were if I was to pull up the grayscale shade from white to gray um, or white to black black bead over here it goes perfectly along that uh, and once again these ones just go right to it so did something happen here or maybe this is just part of a something we don't understand a station maybe something like that and I, I think the Richard Hoagland I'm not I'm not going to quote anything because I've never really read his books I listened to him on Coast to Coast and he's been very interesting and just because I've been interested in the whole subject itself uh, but for these to be just random sand to me it just seems like they're not symmetrical enough you ever see how when the sand dunes are made they're so perfect this just seems like something that uh, has been constructed maybe a long time ago it was constructed who knows and maybe this here is uh, some water maybe this is the way to get the water something like that I, I, I've thought about this a little bit uh, about how see how where it gets the lowlands here and except for this kind of fuzzy area here it gets dark like you'd have maybe some water there this is like a natural land bridge there uh, this is really dark uh, so maybe these aren't you know we've seen these in other parts of the earth maybe this isn't an actual tube maybe this is just a something that's living or something like that maybe there's houses under there who knows that's just putting the imagination into it but uh, it's let's All right. Now, the tubes always fascinate me, whatever they actually, you know, the very first time I ever looked at these, I had seen them, uh, one of C. Clark's people had posted them a long time ago, too. And um, I was like, wow, what the hell is that? And, you know, at first, the first thing I thought was, well, maybe they're ridges of sands or something along those lines. And I looked, and there was something about it that just didn't look right. And I looked a little harder, so then I went over to Milan, and JPL and downloaded a bunch of the images because you could get all that back then. You could you probably still can actually. Um, I downloaded a bunch of the images, which are probably all on the internet now, and uh, went through them and noticed there was quite a few anomalies with these tubes. Like one, you could say they weren't, uh, you could say they were sand, but they bridged fissures in the earth. So in other words, where there was a gap or a crossing or uh, a canyon or something like that, it actually went over. So you definitely knew it was something. Um, you know, it was something crossing through there, maybe a type of bridge, maybe an aquifer, maybe some kind of transport system. I have no idea what the hell it is. And you could have probably even kept me sold on the same thing for even longer until there's two different pictures, two different places on Mars, where you see these things. And then you can see like there's something offset from it and like it's pushing against whatever this tunnel is. Um, like there was something in there. Either it was, I don't know, I, mean, I don't know if it was stationary because I don't know how the picture was taken, uh, but they looked like there's something in there. And it, the, the guy you just heard talking about, that's one of the things he was talking about, the little the shiny thing. You can see it. It looks like a cylinder or something inside of whatever this is. And you can tell when you're looking that it's actually inside of something. So um, it's really strange. Um, couldn't imagine what the hell it could be. 
I would personally think that NASA would just be wanting to go look and see what this is because here you have something that seems to be able to withstand earthquakes and meteorites because I've never seen one of these broke. I've seen them all over the surface of Mars. I think there's at least there's at least 50 or 60 pictures of these around the surface of Mars and fissures. And the ones we were just looking at were actually in a valley um, and running against another ridge. It was like it was running along the edge of the ridge or something. Uh, and then it actually crossed in two places. One, it went down into it, straight down. And uh, and then another place it crossed back over. That That's a little much for, for saying. I don't think saying can do that. So I'm not sure what the hell they are. I really don't. But uh, the fact that they stay intact would, should be enough to have warned NASA to go check into these things. Uh, because if there's a material on Mars that can withstand meteorites, and earthquakes, shouldn't we know about it? I mean, that's something we could u- really use here. And if it's not, and it's something else, shouldn't we know about it? Um, I'm not sure. It's one of those things that kind of bothers me. I see a couple of um, emails about the face. I'm not the first face. I, I got to tell you, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not sold on the first face. You know, I know the original picture was a very low resolution. It was very grainy picture. Uh, and it does look like a face in that picture. But the four other high-resolution pics I've seen of it, and I've matched the numbers against the original first shot, so it's it's a legit picture, um, look entirely different. I mean, you can make out the, the 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 ground around it and everything, but it's 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 not. And yeah, I guess if you want to say that NASA and them are screwing with them and all, and, but. I can tell you how you can tell if NASA or JPL or Milan is actually messing with the videos or not. A lot of times, JPL and Milan release these pictures in mass bunches. And the reason why they do this is they don't have the manpower to go over every picture. It would take too long. So by releasing these to the Internet and releasing them to different groups like the group out of Sri Lanka and a couple of groups in the U.S., they can sift through them. There's, There's even things... I know y'all do SETI. Are y'all familiar with SETI? Well, not just SETI. There's there's a NASA has programs where you can volunteer to use your computers to age meteors, or I should say, meteor craters on Mars and stuff like that. They got a lot of these little programs. Well, they have a program for this too. Uh, so, you know, you can help out actually on this. You really can. So you know when you when you when you get these batch and the point I'm trying to make is when you get these these batch downloads they will give you a date and time of uh, when the batch came in when the batch uh, was downloaded out most of the time what NASA does is they or JPL and they just do a dump they'll get a bunch of images come in they'll sift through a few and then they just dump them uh, and they do keep going through them after that but like I said they really don't have you know I don't think people realize how many pictures being taken on Mars right now from how many different things. Uh, so there's a lot of material to sift through. Um, so by having these other groups, they do so. But also, these groups do find anomalies. They find stuff that are like, what the hell is that? What is that? What is that? What is that? I've seen a couple of things that kind of looks like fossils. Some of the pictures that interest me the most are stuff like pictures of the South Pole uh, completely surrounded in ice, you know, big pole, big beautiful white pole. Comes the summer, you can see the ice retreat. But what's weird is, as the ice retreats, you see this black, greenish, black color just start to bloom around where the ice was, and it actually gets bigger than what the ice was. It suggests maybe like an algae plume or something. Uh, it seems like something might be growing there. So you, you got to wonder why NASA hasn't gone and looking at that. 
I mean, none of this is top secret. I mean, it's, yeah, I found it out. Anybody can find it out. It's all over the damn internet. Um, why not look at stuff like that? Because that's potential life forms. That's potential uh, food sources, water sources, oxygen sources, uh, all stuff we need to do if we're going to plan on colonizing on Mars. So I really think it's something we should be checking into. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I know there's a couple of new missions scheduled upcoming, so we'll see where they all end up going. I do know they want to put uh, some type of craft over the ice caps. Actually, what they're talking about is some type of glider or something that they can use. But most of the stuff they're going to use there is going to be solar-powered, so... I guess they're going to have to build a plane maybe with a little baby nuclear battery in it, you know, maybe a plasma drive or something, uh, something that can stay up in the air for a while. I guess the plasma might be too heavy, it might fall out the sky, but uh, something, because you're not going to be able to land it all the time, and in a way, you can land the damn thing. Uh, too many rocks, too much debris, I just, I just don't know if you can do that part, but um, maybe a balloon kind of thing now, I guess. Now that we've got all these drones, now I guess we could send some kind of square drone there that goes up and down and goes back and forth. I guess you could land it uh, and see what happens. It just it just seems like we should be exploring Mars at a greater rate than what we are. Now, getting back to the picture for a minute, um, I do like the picture for one thing, that it stirred a big buzz about Mars, and it got a lot of people interested in it. And it made a lot of people take a second look at Mars. Um, and the reason why is it's important... Now, at least, you know, when I was a kid, there was no life on Mars. Well, when I was a baby, there was, ton- there was supposedly water on Mars or, or canals or something. And then all of a sudden, you know, no, we know what it is now. It was lines from telescope, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, 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 no. And then by the 70s, there's no life. It's a dead planet. Even though Viking, uh, what is it? Was it pneumonia or oxygen? Found one or the other. Uh, both can only be created by something alive. So I was kind of like, Okay, but we just forgot about it. And then remember, the rovers have found this stuff. So, and we've got satellites now that have actually measured uh, several different things in the atmosphere, like methane, uh, which usually come from rotting vegetation or from certain types of animals. And uh, they're kind of like, "Wow, what the hell? Where is this coming from?" So, th- there's there's definitely anomalies on Mars outside of just what you see on the surface that are most interesting. You know, Olympus Mons alone, which is the biggest volcano in the known solar system, um, do you realize the size of diamonds that might be in there because of the amount of pressure that huge-ass volcano is putting on stuff? I mean, you think about a diamond, you know, like the Pink Panther diamond, what is it, the size of a, uh, 360 carats or something? Think of a diamond about the size of your, uh, well, your Volkswagen Beetle. Think about, think about it from a science point of view. Um, what could be done with that? Could it be used for storage? I, I gotta say, there's a lot of interesting and fascinating possibilities with stuff that could be found on Mars. Um, but maybe it wouldn't be as big. Maybe because the lack of gravitational fields on Mars, maybe that would cancel that effect. I don't think so. That was a big ass volcano. But more importantly about that big volcano, it was like a giant cannon shooting rocks at Earth. Okay, remember, it was shooting rocks at Earth. 
Uh, every time it exploded, it was dumping debris all over the solar system, and a lot of it ended up right here on our planet. And some of it suggests that there were some types of life on Mars. Now that we found out that the plankton can live on the space station outside and even multiply, it suggests that life could have easily transferred itself from Earth to Mars, or Mars to Earth. Um, not saying that you know that we, the the man that's here today, came from Mars, but there's a lot of stuff that makes you wonder. Um, a lot of anomalies that makes you wonder. Anyway, it goes, Martian stuff is landed on this planet. So if it is true that life can be carried in space, according to panspermia and other theories, uh, then it is possible that Martian life ended up on this planet. Especially whenever Mars died, blew in and all of that turmoil and stuff. We don't know what came from there and, and thrived here. We don't know what came 300 billion, I mean 3 billion years ago. We don't know what came from there and mixed with here. Or 1.4 billion years ago, whatever it is. Um, we still don't know what came and mixed with here. So we don't know legit what here might actually be part Martian or have any ancestry ties to Martian or any gene ties to Mars. Um, I think we're going to find later in our in our future uh, that we're much more re re much more closely related to Mars than we realize we are. Uh, I think they're going to find a lot more ties there. What, what I think what might be really interesting about all of this is is if they do get to Mars and they find anomalies like buildings and roads, like some of this stuff looks like, um, then maybe we can accept the fact that maybe this race here today is partially related to the Martians. Or maybe we're the transplantees from that planet to this planet. You know, we're going to do the same thing. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen. This is important to remember. At the way things work in the universe, we know this planet's going to die. At the best, we're going to get 3.5 billion years, which is a long time. That's at the best. Okay? There's all kinds of disasters that could happen. As a race, we're going to want to survive, so we're going to want to colonize. And eventually we will leave this world. And eventually this world will die and we will live on another world. And if we hadn't done it right, then maybe no one will know. Because if, if something slammed into Mars, or they knew something was fixing the slam into Mars, and they were trying to get off of Mars, uh, and they had, you know, only could do it limited in, a, in a limited fashion, when they came here, the, the ships that made it and the ships with the technology, if there was any big disasters here, and it does look like something slammed into this planet as well, um, could have been lost. So you may have had aliens here, or whatever you want to call them, Martians here from Mars, that lived on this planet, bred on this planet, and are, are, are related to us, or even ancestors of ours, but lost their technologies. We see how fast we can revert. Uh, I've seen it for myself right here in New Orleans after Katrina. Um, it's it's easy to go backwards when you live in a digital world. It really, really is. Because the more we take away the books and the technical manuals and the, and the more we put things on our pads and on our hard drives, one e-impulse can wipe all of that out. One. In, in, in less than a day, every piece of data stored in this country could be gone. So you could find yourself easily and quickly back into the Stone Age. Uh, and the further we get in the future, the less books there will be. So it's just risky business is all I'm saying. And that could have been how the Martians came and got here and what, what helped us become what we are today. Because there are some other ties to humanity and the planet Mars. So, uh, And there's a quite a few scientists looking into it right now. I just find it interesting. 
you know, I know, um, and because of some probes that have gone to Venus and they found that Venus's upper atmosphere is identical to Earth's upper atmosphure, they figure Venus some 50, 60 million years ago was a lot like Earth was today. So you actually had three planets, and all three of these planets, by the way, are inside the Goldilocks zone. They're inside the inhabitable zone of our solar system. So life can grow on all three. More than likely, life did at one time grow on all three of these planets. We know this planet's had three mass extinctions. Uh, we just don't know what happened to the rest of them. That stuff, I think, as we go into the future, we'll find more evidence. I don't think on, on Venus, I don't think you'll ever find anything because of the type of planet it is. It's called global warming, and this, what is the average temperature there? 900 degrees, it's molten lava, basically. So anything that was there has been turned over, churned over, melted over, and recycled more times than we can count. But Mars, on the other hand, is a dead planet. Well, not completely dead, but mostly dead. Um, so we may find clues and evidence there. And from time to time, we do see things. I mean, there's at least, there's at least 10 or 15 pictures I've seen that look like any Mayan temple ruin anywhere. You know, matter of fact, just to put this in perspective, a friend of mine sent me, this was about 10 years ago, he sent me a picture, being as smart as that he is, he said, look, look at this new Mayan temple they found. I'm looking, I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. And then I'm looking at him, I said, well, where's the jungle at? He said, oh, it's in the desert. I said, well, how the hell have they been missing it for all this time? It's in the desert. And he, he types back, laughs out loud, laughs out loud. I said, what the hell's going on? He said, that's from Mars. It's a Mars. He said, and then he sent me the JPL in Milan type-in number. Or, um, uh, count, uh, count, well, whatever the hell I call it. It's a little tag now they put on all this stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, the picture was legit. I've seen, like I said, I've seen probably about two dozens of these. Um, so it, it looks like any, any ruin you would see anyway, the Mayan ruins, ruins in the Middle East, ruins in India. Um, there's one picture, you know, that sunken city they just found off the coast of India, well, not just found a couple of years ago. Some of them look like that. I mean, but it looks like ruins. You can, you can tell. These are squared areas, walls that were up. I mean, it looks like any set of ruins you've seen anywhere on this planet, anywhere. So those are hard to discount. Those kind of pictures are really hard to discount. Even experts don't like to talk about those photos. I notice JPL and them will try to get them anytime they can. They'll try to retrieve them. But nobody likes to talk about them because there's no real explanation for them. You know, here you've got what appears to be ruins on Mars, some type of ruins on Mars, you know, some type of buildings or, or some type of epic center or something along those lines. It just, but it's, it's Mars, you know, it's not supposed to be anything on Mars. Mars never supposed to have developed life. Even though those most scientists say, today say that Mars had life on it and uh, even probably had a lot of life like us, for us like at one time or another, so... It is encouraging to see science take a different stance on a lot of stuff. It is encouraging to see that we may actually find something that resembles life on Mars. Um, Jeffrey, to answer your question, I'm not sure if um, evidence for intelligent life, that's a tough one. If, 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 if these are or, or ruins when we get there, and we'll know that when we get there, uh, then we can say, yes, there was one time intelligent life on Mars. If they're not, and there's some just kind of weird uh, anomaly, then we won't know. I mean, the only way we're going to ever know if there's life on Mars is if we go damn look. That's, that's the only way we're going to know. Uh, and we're going to have to get out there and look. And we may not have to look that hard. I mean, we might, we may not. But I would look at it like this. If you were living on a dying planet, and you knew the planet was dying, 
and you were going to run out of this, that, and the other thing, I would have started migrating towards the north and south poles because, you know, that's where things would have held up longer. There would have still been water there. Uh, you may have been able to maintain oxygen or whatever they breathed um, uh, in underground facilities there quite, quite easy. There's places on Mars. I mean, you could go underground, like Olympus Mons. You could probably go in there and find some big areas, open areas, where you could seal yourself in and uh, set up your own oxygen form and your own waterways and stuff like that. So as long as there's water there, you could probably do it. Set up self, self-sealed, self-contained systems. Um, so, and we do know that there's ice, ice on Mars, not hot, not not carbon ice or not this kind of ice, that kind of ice. We know there's H2O ice there. Uh, so we do know that there's water on Mars, and we're pretty sure now, even though they had to admit it for some reason, that there's liquid water on Mars. And more and more they keep thinking, once they start looking underground and get into caves and tunnels, they might actually find flowing water on Mars. If there's flowing water on Mars, you can bet your ass there's life on Mars of some kind. Microbiological, microbiological whatever it may be, uh, there's going to be life of some kind on Mars. It may be ETBTT, it may be plant life, maybe some kind of little rodent, but there's going to be some kind of life there. Um, and as far as the pressure goes, I know the pressure's on the surface of one thing, but underground, um, I don't know. Especially if you, the deeper you go in a cave, the further down you go, the less likely that the outside pressure is going to interfere with the inside pressure of the, what's already there. So, um, it, anything is possible. But I bet money on it. Oh, I don't know about that part. Um, I'll tell you this. I would bet money they're going to find some type of life on Mars. Either, either it's currently alive or recently did, you know, last 60, 70 million years. Um, but I would bet you they're going to find that for sure. I'm pretty sure, and I would bet money that they're going to find some type of something alive on Mars. Not just Mars, by the way. I think they're going to find it on Europa and Io as well. Uh, I think they're going to find life in four or five planetoids in this one system. Not including us, by the way. I just really think life is the norm. Any way that it can grab it will grab and, and, and become life. I think the universe created it that way. Uh, so that any place it can get a foothold, it takes over. Um, it's, it's almost like a virus or a disease almost. It just, once it gets a chance to take over, it takes over. Any suitable areas for it, it'll take over. And I think when we get into space, when we get into space, we're going to find that life is quite a bit more diverse than we even originally thought. I'm not even talking about like silicone base or anything like that. I'm just talking about just in the way it looks and acts. I think you're going to find it's quite a bit more diverse than, than we would like to admit to. How's that? Now... You know, I got to say, a lot of these anomalies I'm not real impressed with. Uh, I, I see a lot of footage and a lot of people sending me stuff, and a lot of them I do consider to be, I'm not going to say this politely, um, garbage, but um, there are some good ones out there. No, the Volkswagen one was not good. That was just stupid. Uh, I'm sorry. Come on. Let's see. I've seen a Volkswagen on Mars, a pickup truck on Mars. I've seen a boat on Mars. No, I'm not. Be, I'm not buying it. Unless E.T.'s drunk and dropping shit out the, the back of the trunk, I'm just not buying it. Um, but I have seen other anomalies on Mars. You know, I've seen a videotape just recently of two lights that I thought maybe was something reflected sunlight on a mountain, but then I noticed they moved. And in the second shot of that, there's actually four of them, two at a higher altitude, two at a lower altitude. So I don't know what the hell they were. I'm not going to say they were alien craft or anything along those lines, but obviously there was something weird going on there. Uh, Worth investigating, yeah. See, and if you had humans there, you'd go check that shit out. Uh, you'd get your little drone out, fly it over there, see what's going on. Uh, 
uh, your camera on it and check it out and see what it is. Um, hopefully it wasn't a UFO that shot it down. But. And to answer a question I seen earlier, well, I guess if there's UFOs and aliens flying around on Earth, it would be possible that there's UFO and aliens flying around on Mars. Uh, have I seen any strong proof of that? No. I have seen some very interesting anomalies. I've seen some very interesting video clips that show some weird shit flying in the sky, which anytime you see anything in a Martian sky, you've got to be kind of like, what the hell? But can I categorically say it's extraterrestrials? No, I can't. And for the simple fact that I do think our government has technology currently that can reach Mars and, and well, just in a couple of days. I don't think it takes, I think that uh, the triangles can get there quite easily. Uh, I, I think that they were designed just for that, running around inside the solar system. Um, that and, and being able to hit a strategic target from space uh, in an instant. So, um, I think that's what they were designed for. I don't know where we got the technology, if it's legit technology, if it's alien technology, I have no idea. Um, but I have no doubt that the TR-3Bs exist. I've seen them personally, so I have no doubt they exist. And I, and I've, I have personally taken more than 200 reports of TR-3Bs flying around the country. And, and we've got way more than that, but what's so interesting about these is they show up in all the same locations that we used to get UFO reports of a black flying wing or a black flying triangle, which was the X-117 stealth fighter. Uh, later on, that's what we found that it was. So these things are flying in the same places in Nevada and Cal in, in Southern California, in Nevada, in Arizona, in New Mexico, and off the Pensacola coast, uh, which has got the largest uh, Air Force Base non-nuclear testing facility in the United States. It's right there. So uh, we get a lot of reports of them flying around, a lot of stuff going on. So the thing of it is, is keep looking up, keep looking at the skies, but those are ours. They're not ETs. They're not advanced enough to be ETs. They're advanced enough to be ours, plenty, but they're not. They're not. I don't think they can go faster than light or um, even leave the solar system. Um, but I do think they can fly to nearby planets in a relatively short amount of time. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you heard it here first when that starts happening. But um, I remember when we we were reporting the X one seventeen from MUFON. I told everybody then. I said, no, these are these are belong to us. These are definitely not. Definitely not E.T. And, of course, it turned out not to be E.T. And it turned out to be the X-117 stealth fighter. Which, you know, so it's, it's why I harp on these things with people. Now, so if the TR-3Bs do exist and they can go to Mars, you can't rule out that some of the stuff seen is just us. You don't ever think, people, that there won't be a military arm on Mars and a civilian part. Um, we always have done it that way. So while we're exploring, there'll be military there as well as us, and they'll be establishing places on there and, and, and deciding what they're going to do. Now, i got a question for everyone listening tonight. I should put this up as a poll, a weekly poll. Do you think the first person, the first country to reach Mars, it should be a state of that country? Right? You know, first person to put boots on the ground is what I'm saying. Because somebody wrote to me about the moon the other day and asked me, who does the moon belong to? And their answer was the United States, because we've landed there four or five times. And uh, I'm like, well, according to the UN, no one can own anything in space, which that's going to have to change, because as private industry gets in space and starts mining asteroids and stuff like that, they're going to want to be able to own them. They're not going to want Joe Smith to be able to come in there and steal an asteroid or start mining on an asteroid with them. So you're going to see all of that stuff change. But the U.S. has staked big chunks of the moon, so is it ours? 
I'm not thinking it is, but hey, how are we going to do this in Mars? Are we just going to stake out big sections of Mars and say, okay, this belongs to us? And then once we get enough colonies there, we'll stake out another big section that says this belongs to us? Or should we just put a colony there and set up a, missile, uh, set up a defense shield around the uh, planet and say it belongs to us? Deal with it. Yeah, I know, huh? Uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because you never know what, what another country might attempt to do such a thing. Um, you just never know. So, Something to think about. Um, getting back to the ruins on Mars, there are, because I wanted to answer a question I seen earlier, there are at least a good couple of dozen pictures of ruins on Mars. Actually, the best way to do it is just type in ruins on Mars. Um, really, I, you can't really do it any better than that. Uh, one great thing about any any browser on the internet, uh, Mars and uh, Mars anomalies seem to be very plentiful inside of them. Uh, you, you don't seem to have to search hard uh, to find anything, which is what I like. Uh, one more thing before we go. I know we're getting ready to get we're getting getting ready to go to break, but um, when you're looking at them, I mean, like right now, I'm, I'm, I, I just typed in ruins of Mars when I you know just to see where we come up. There's just so much stuff there. Just so much. Um, you, you see things that just look so clearly like, here's, here's a picture right here I'm looking at. This is, uh, where is it at? What's the tag number on it? It looks like stone. You can see the lines and it looks like brick. It looks like eroded brick is what it looks like. I mean, the, the pictures themselves are incredible. Yeah, I mean, some of these pictures, people say it's this, that, or other thing. Yeah, I'm not always buying it. Like this guy said, this is ants or some kind of bugs eating something. It might be. It might just be some weird-looking mud. Uh, but you see things that obviously look like Mars. And, and in this picture, you see what appears to be things cut out of the limestone. Um, it's a strange little anomaly. Then you see places where you definitely knew there was Russian water going by protrusions out of the ground that doesn't seem to fit with anything in the general vicinity. Um, you know, it just doesn't belong there kind of stuff. Every now and then you seem to see something that looks like a ruin. Now this one, this looks like it's a giant rock, but the problem with it is it looks like there's a, a pipe coming out of it. So maybe it's a piece of concrete or something along those lines with a pipe coming out of it. You know, you, there's just no way to know what they are. They're just, they're just not. Um, but that's what a lot of people talk about. There's a lot of this stuff looks like what you know the Mayans and the ancient stuff like that you see around the world. The ancient ruins, I should say. See that this is just weird. This just looks like something peeking over the hill, like a it almost looks like a bush of some kind. No telling what it is, and they don't get close enough to let you know. Um, here they got what it looks like they rolled up on a. Uh, yeah, see that looks that looks like a wooden beam. And that definitely looks like a door. So they're going to have a lot of these like that that, you, that are just going to be hard to uh, do. What bothers me, like on this site, they've got a lot of good original Martian pictures in here. But every now and then they got mixed-in pictures of like Martian, I mean, uh, Mars ruins and stuff. I mean, not Mars ruins, like uh, ancient Egypt ruins and stuff. Now, this picture here is an excellent picture. I'll see if I can't. This, this picture is so, uh, I'm going to post this to Facebook when we're done tonight. Y'all can take a look at it. I've always liked this picture. When you look at it, you're going to see that it's, it's like a crescent moon shaped something uh, in the Earth. And when you get to the right side of the crescent moon, you'll start noticing what appears to be buildings uh, that have you know, started to decay over the years. Uh, but they're very clear, and it 
definitely looks like some kind of structure. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it, it would be almost, especially sides. Some of the honeycomb parts of the building are. It's. It's. There's no real other way but to call it just that. Some type of building. Now I got to say, I did see some interesting moving rocks on Mars. Apparently, they got rocks like we do that slide across the surface of the planet, um, which we believe is the wind. Then see. Then you see st stuff like this, where there's, there's a ridge here that's cut out. And you see the ridge, and everything looks just like dirt. And then all of a sudden, when you get to the bottom of the ridge, it looks like a road going into what appears to be a tunnel. Uh, and it definitely looks like a road. It actually even looks like a fairly active road. So you just never know what this is. And, and not that I'm saying all this is, is what that is. It's just some weird things. This rock right here, this doesn't look like a rock. It's too smooth or something. It looks more like some other type of material. There's just a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, there's lots of places where you see things that uh, you got to kind of wonder what they are. And then you see these, these every now and then you see these weird craters with these weird squiggly lines, and then you got to kind of wonder what they are. And then there's a couple of these pictures of the ruins. That's why I said, look, if you gave these pictures to an archaeologist and asked him what he thought it was, which a lot of people have done over the years, they will tell you they think they're ruins. Uh, a lot of times they will tell you stuff like, oh, I think it's uh, um, uh, um, Mayan ruin or something. And it turns out, and when you tell them the pictures from Mars, you can just see their face. I can't tell you how many times this has been done. And it's, it's just, it makes you have to wonder why we don't land something there. You know, why aren't we landing something there? And then you see these obviously areas where there's stuff protruding out of the ground that don't belong there. But, I mean, that doesn't mean it's a... Uh, uh, see, that looks like another road. You see, there's a couple of places on here that definitely look like roads going along sides of mountains and stuff like that. There's weird spear-shaped stuff and, and oval-shaped stuff. Um, I like the guy who sent me green grass on Mars. It still cracks me up. Um, he sent me a picture of this area on Mars that supposedly had grass on it. I said, dude, if there was an area that big on Mars with green on it, we'd be able to see it from here every time it spun around. So, uh, you know, sometimes you can you can kick anomalies in the ass. Sometimes you can't. Most of the faces on Mars you can kind of kick. There are some interesting uh, things on there. And on Google, I have to go get you the name of it, but there's a, there's a, I tagged it. You can look for my name, or I think I might have tagged it on the iCard, maybe UPRN. There's, um, I found a weird-ass anomaly in Mars that looks like a disc that's skidded in. Uh, it is really, 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 really weird-looking. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, by the way, but I did tag it, because I got a program for Mars that, uh, well, helps age craters. And this was one of the ones that came up when I noticed it's not a crater. It, it slid in, and the dirt's covering it. It's above the ground. Um, so I don't know what the hell it is. I sent it back to NASA and asked them what, what they thought it was. They sent me back saying they didn't know. Uh, that's pretty much all. Anytime you see weird anomalies when you're doing stuff on there, pretty much that's all I tell you. Uh, we don't know. Uh, we're not sure what that is. Uh, we, we don't think that's anything. Um, and then they found that one that looks like an ancient wall because it, they had stacked bricks. It looked like stacked stones. And then along the wall, you could see where it looked like stones had fallen off, like any you know stone you'd, stone wall you'd see in Europe anywhere else. Those are hard to get around. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to tell anybody that they're definitely or they really are. It's just when you look at those next to a photo from here, it's hard to deny what they look like. 
It's like the, the, the Sidonia region of Mars. When you look at that and you see those white peaks with those, those trim going down five edges, you've got to wonder what the hell that is. You really do. You, you just got to wonder what it is. You've you got to stop and think, well, maybe they did have cities on Mars at one time. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why we're so quick to rule out that life may have started on Mars at one time then died off. Uh, I'm not, you know, I've always wondered about science and, and why they're so quick to say, oh, we're it, no, we're it, no, man, we're it, no, we're it, man. No, really, we're it, there's nothing, no, we're it. No, really, man, we're it. You know, they're being forced to take a different stance now, but let me tell you what, they are being forced. Uh, they, you know, they're to the point where they're just going to have to go along because, frankly, the evidence is just too much. Um, and NASA would still be not denying anything about Mars, but the European Space Agency and Russia and them came out and said all kinds of stuff. Russia and the Euros think there's definitely life on Mars, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, so, with, and then finally, we kind of started coming out and saying, yeah, we think we're going to find uh, what appears to be uh, life on Mars. What the hell is that? No, dude, I'm not believing this picture that you found something going back and forth on Mars. Get the hell out of here. Some of these pictures are hilarious. But anyway, I know we've got to take a break. We'll get back. We're going to talk about alien abduction. Uh, one other little thing about Mars before we go. From what I understand, and I have to go check this to be 100% sure, there's been enough debris uh, sent from Mars, I think, to raise the planet uh, about a half inch all the way around, maybe an inch all the way around. So that's a lot of debris, and all of that, or any of that, could have microbes in it being sent here. Um, any of that could have created or started life on this planet or changed life on this planet. So um, you got to take that in consideration now. And I notice major scientists are really starting to take in what they call the Mars equation into humans uh, because we may not be quite as pure earthling as we think we are. But anyway, on that note, I'll see you all in about 8 to 10 minutes. I want everyone to please stay into the Joe Montalda Show. We'll be coming back. We'll be talking about a, a couple of alien abduction cases before we round out tonight. We'll open, open up the phone lines in the second hour. Um, you know, I know... <laughs> thank you, Jerry. Uh, Jericho. It's... Um, yeah, i got a couple more science shows. So we got some guests coming on because I, I uh, promised uh, some of my regular listeners that I would bring on a couple of different guests that they've been interested in. So I'm going to bring those on. But... Um, We'll be doing a little bit more science, and maybe early part of next year I'll bring on uh, get KQ back and, and maybe uh, Tyson back, and we'll get into a little more physics. Uh, I, it's just hard on the regular listening audience because, you know, Mars is fun for me, and I, and I really love to talk about it, and it's, it's, there's just a lot of wealth of information to be had there. But for the general listening audience, sometimes not, you know, that's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of boring, Joe. Come on, man. Talk about something fun. But anyway, I'll see you all about the 8, 10, 10 minutes, so please stay tuned. If you are listening to the show and wish to join us in the chat room, visit paltalk.com. Go to the social issues, select other, and enter the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. (laughs) 
You're listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Hello, this is Angela Thomas with a message about living life to the fullest. As a psychic clairvoyant, I often give insights to one's career path, financial situation, or relationship. Whether one is happy or not in their current situation, where he or she is right now is an important part of learning valuable lessons that can lead to fulfilling one's life purpose. If I can offer you insights, feel free to contact me at 636-278-2272. Again, 636-278-2272, or visit my website, AngelaThomas.org. I'm considered a psychic psychic, so I provide accurate and detailed psychic readings for individuals as well as groups. Remember, no matter what influences your life at the moment, live life to the fullest. Stay in gratitude, count your blessings, and prepare yourself for more opportunities around the corner. I'm Psychic Angela Thomas, and my website is AngelaThomas.org. to UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Tune in to the Mind Cemetery with your hosts, Chip and Nicole, every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Exclusively on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. We delve into UFOs, abductions, ghosts, aliens, conspiracies, and cryptozoology. And how could you ever forget about those creepy topics you won't hear on your local news? This is where I would insert my obligatory skeptical statement. The Mind Cemetery, where the paranoia about the paranormal comes to rest. Follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on Facebook. Also, check us out on our website, MindCemetery.com, for show updates and the critically acclaimed Mind Cemetery blog. It's not critically acclaimed, but you should check it out anyway, MindCemetery.com. The paranormal, ghosts, spirits, demons, reincarnation, past lives, the afterlife, divination, exorcisms, witchcraft, the unseen, he's psychic medium Chris George, and he's Victor the Voice Fireman, we are Second Sight Radio, join us live, every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. I'm Stephanie Benetti, and along with Joe Montaldo, we host News on the Flip Side. Come join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Central for our three-hour program. We have opinions on everything, and we're not afraid to share them. False history gets made all day, every day. The truth of the new is never on the news. But you can find it here with News on the Flip Side. 
Remember, don't be politically correct. Just be correct. Join us. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo. Welcome back, everyone, to the second hour of the Joe Montaldo Show. hope you all enjoyed the first hour. Uh, to all the wonderful, smart-ass comments I got about doing sign. Guys, I can't help it. Um, y'all are going to, look, look, y'all bitch want to do too many gas. You bitch if I do too much signs. Anyway, y'all will be stuck on gas for the, about the eight, next eight or ten weeks. So, nah, 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 nah. But, 
uh, until the holidays anyway, and then I'm going to use the Christmas holidays. I think we were going to do um, Abduction 303 through the holidays, but and not through Christmas. That's just not right. So um, I think starting the second week of January, running up through the end of February, will be all abductions. That's all it'll be. Uh, probably all we'll talk about, only guests we'll have on, any, anything related will be simply abduction stuff. Um, as far as, um, like I said, there's about eight or ten hours. I've been wanting to bring them on. I've just been so preoccupied. They've been sitting in my email for weeks, and I'm so nice that they're patient. Even people, I've had people write to me about airing on the station and all, and I've been so, so busy. It's been taking me about three or four weeks to get back in touch with people. And I know as a radio show host, it's kind of frustrating when you're waiting for a reply. Uh, or when you have a show that you'd like to put someone on a better station or something, it's a, a kind of a thing. And I tell them, remember, ladies and gentlemen, I'm always looking for shows. Uh, we do have seven available evening slots, and it looks like they may all be filled, but I'm always looking. Daytime slots, sorry, guys, those are only paid slots. And uh, most of that stuff you all don't want to hear anyway, but um, a lot of times the stuff is going to be geared to specific audiences or specific gimmicks. And it is a $200 a show pop because if I got to miss a day's work, I got to be, you know, well, let's just say I got to be giving my money back <laughs> because I can't afford to be missing days of work. Got too many bills to pay. Y'all should know that. Also, to Jessica, um, we have done a couple of the regressions at the house. We, it is open. Uh, I, I just, for some reason, I can't seem to get myself to post a, a damn schedule to the internet. Uh, so I've been telling people just contact me and bug me for a while, and 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 I'll get you in. And the main reason is is this time of year, all the way at my birthday's in January, uh, we got all the holidays. So for me, starting now, uh, because the weather's starting to get cool, so it's it's it, not yet, but it will be in the next two weeks. It'll it'll start getting into like the 80s, and us coonasses won't know what to do with themselves because it'll be 85 instead of 95 outside, and the humidity will be 70 instead of 100. So uh, we'll be real happy with that. So I'll be outside a lot, but. Um, it's it's for us. We have a lot of stuff family related and other stuff that goes on work wise through this time of the year. For a lot of contractors, they get slow through the holidays. We don't get slow. We get steady because um, a lot of our regular customers want us to come in and fix stuff or get stuff ready for the holidays, and so it keeps us busy through through the holidays, which is kind of nice. So between that, our normal routine and the changing of stuff in UPRN, uh, it keeps me really busy. And then of course. October is one of my favorite months. Uh, I do a lot of weekend traveling in October. And, of course, the last week of the month is my all-time favorite holiday, which is Halloween. Uh, I always love going out on Halloween and having a blast whenever it is. I mean, whatever day of the week it is. So uh, that keeps us kind of busy. And then coming off of Halloween, we're really usually wrapping up whatever we had to wrap up for the hurricane season. Uh, a lot of people like to move that time of year, so we're doing a lot of make readies. And then, bam, we, we take the week off for Thanksgiving. Uh, so we're off a week for Thanksgiving. We'll take nine, ten days off for Thanksgiving. So uh, we're off for Thanksgiving. Then we come back uh, about the 3rd or 4th of January and work until uh, two days before Christmas. And then we take off until about the 5th of January. And then we go back to work. We keep people on staff for emergencies. But other than that, we're not really working. Uh, because, you know, it's family time and... Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. We got the camp in Mississippi. We like to bring the pan you know, we used to get one in, in Bugaloosa, uh, but now we go up to the one we bought in Mississippi, so we bring the family up there. So we spend a lot of time doing it, so it takes up a lot of time. So I just don't like posting schedules, uh, because I might be lying to somebody. So I'd rather you know, we get a date set and then we go from there. 
And, uh, and you know, a lot of times you might get to meet a lot of other people because there's other people involved. But I, I will be doing something um, now with the new archive sites going up and the new paid archives and some of the specialty shows we're getting ready to start doing. Um, you're going to probably start seeing me. You know, I've been doing a couple of regular appearances on radio shows around the country. I actually uh, am a, I don't know what you'd call me. Uh, um, there's about five of them now that they just call me for like the last hour of the show and we just chat about either ufology stuff or politics stuff. Uh, I do, um, I've done the one in KTR, it was KTR St. Louis I've done a few times, I think five or six now, uh, two of them in New York I've done about five or six times, and there's two out in Cali, and I think the other one's in Portland. Uh, so it's, um, doing more and more of that stuff too, so it takes up more of my time, but I want to get more of that out going because iCar's fixing to get some growing spurs, um, Yano Cat, I mean, um, I, was, I almost said, said the wrong name. Can't even believe I did that. Uh, Christina Knowles has got a lot of stuff going on. She's going to keep me kind of busy too. So, you know, I want to be honest with people because there's a lot of hypnosis I want to get done before the end of the year. I'd like to get four sessions in before the end of the year. And uh, I would really like to get about eight done by uh, Mardi Gras because there's a couple of stuff. There's just some cases we want to get wrapped up. And we got some new information, new theories, I should say, on uh, some stuff with Travis Walton and a couple other cases besides that. So I'd like to get all of that around the same time <clears throat> and get all that produced. Um, I know just recently we had done some stuff about the Betty and Barney Hill case, and someone had wrote to me, actually a couple of someone's had wrote to me about uh, maybe doing a 20-minute or 30-minute show just on that. But better yet, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to do that. At www.icar1.com, there is a complete transcript of the debate uh, Catherine Waldron and I had. It's very civil. It's very polite. This, it, and I really like to push this for a couple of reasons. One, it shows you how two fellow researchers can have an honest debate without calling each other this, that, or the other thing. Okay, uh, Put out good pointed points, both of us did, and allow you the audience or the listener or the fellow researcher to look at the conversation and take away what you will from the conversation. Um, it's very good. And I encourage anyone, everyone to read it. Um, you will learn stuff about the Betty and Barney Kill case you didn't know. Uh, you will hear point, counterpoint, counterpoint, actually point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint, I should say. Um, it's very good and it's well worth reading. Uh, there used to be a couple of audio clips tied into it, but we got rid of GoDaddy, so I'm going to have to go hunt those down and resubmit them. So while, while we're on that, there are a lot of dead audio links on the iCar site. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but that's because everything used to be on GoDaddy. GoDaddy had cardiac arrest and uh, can no longer house archives for some reason or another. Um, they really, they, they, I got to say, GoDaddy was the biggest disappointment for me of 2014. I gotta just be totally honest about that. It, it really has been. Um, now, while I'm on that, uh, be sure to tune in to Saturday's show. A lot of good material. Um, some stuff I recently read that is is just kind of disappointing and shocking. That's why I use the disappointing thing to bring me into news on the flip side because this is stuff y'all got to hear, stuff you've got to see. You know. And I don't want to talk about this long because I don't want to get off topic about the abduction stuff. I'm sitting here the other day, and Linda hears me talk about all this stuff on news and the flip side all the time. So we're talking about something, and she, she taps me on the shoulder while I'm talking on the air and hands me her telephone. And it's a video of ISIS in the sky 
Uh, they got this guy. I shouldn't laugh. They got this guy. They got him by his leg. This other dude's hitting him with a pole. You could tell he broke his leg three or four times. So then they grab the other leg. They break it three or four times. And then meanwhile, they're still beating on him with the pole, breaking it, kicking it, breaking it. It went on for about 15, 20 minutes. Now, they didn't kill a guy. I guarantee you he's messed up and crippled for life from now on. But uh, the bad and sad part was is how many people stood around and looked at it. And on top of that, a bunch of people said that they would they prefer the Islam State life because it's safer. So, anyway, stuff for Saturday show. Y'all can come check it out. It's crazy stuff. Uh, some of it's quite powerful. Some of it's quite upsetting. Uh, but anyway, it'll all be there for Saturday. And there'll be other stuff we're going to be talking about as well. And, of course, there's the polls up there, which are always fabulously great. Uh, so there should be a lot of good material to cross there. And remember... Uh, there'll be a new show following this Saturday night. Um, it's going to be a great interview. You should come check it out. I'll get all the information posted for y'all really soon. And before we leave tonight, I'll get you all the information you need to go find the show and where it's at. Um, but guys, check it out. There's always good stuff to talk about here. Now, getting back to the abduction thing. Since we strayed through Travis Walton, Betty Hill, and into news on the flip side, which was kind of a weird progression in itself. Um, my favorite cases are, are still some of the old cases. Even though I think they've been played out and beat up and tossed around, they still are fun to talk about. The Hills case to me is just a good debate case. There's so many angles you can take on that case that it's just fun to talk about. The Travis Walton case I like to talk about because when I interviewed Travis the first time, when him and I talked, you, you know I have a different interview style to start off with, and I didn't tendly think about things that other researchers don't think about. That's why I run iCar. And, um, you know, I still remember his voice when I asked him, did you really stop and think, Travis, that they knew you were there and maybe they were coming down, waiting for you to come down the hill? I mean, his voice cracked. You can hear it. It's on the archive. Well, now you have to pay for archive, but you can get it and listen to it. Um, it's... It is, it's profound because you can really hear it in his voice. This threw him for a loop. The fact that E.T. knew he was coming. I said, maybe that's why you got out. Maybe you, maybe they had already sent the signal for you to get out and to keep the other ones in the truck. I said, because even I find it a little strange that there were six loggers, only one of them got out the truck. I've got a lot of friends. I've got a lot of asshole friends, too. If we were together working, the six or six or seven of us, I could say three for sure would stay in the truck. The other two would have to get out the truck just because I did. Not for any other reason, but just because I did, because they're, they're just not going to let me do it. It's just it's not going to happen. So either that or they wouldn't let my ass out of the truck, one or the other. Uh, I can honestly say that. That's, that's about how that would have went down. So I'm kind of thinking in this case, you know, what the hell happened here? Uh, why didn't anybody else get out, out of the truck? What well, you know... I'm surprised that the driver didn't get out just to look around the top, over the top of the hood of his truck to get a better view. So that kind of bothered me a little bit. The fact that no one, until I brought this up, no one ever took in consideration that this was a truck loaded with guys coming down a dark mountain uh, with its high beams on, making and its old trucks that squeaking and popping and pinging, coming down the side of the mountain. There's no way this craft did not know this thing wasn't coming. Even because where it was hovering, it could have easily seen the light going up and down the road as, as you know, the truck was bouncing and stuff. Easily could have seen it for several miles away. So there's no way this craft did not see these guys coming. 
So apparently this craft stayed and waited. And see, this is what bothers me about my fellow researchers. No one caught this. You know, they just were like, well, no, Joe, wh why does that matter? Well, yeah, it does matter. Because obviously this craft knew he was coming. Obviously. And, and it's, it makes a big difference. That shows intent. Where when Travis Walton said, oh, we've seen this pretty light thing. We got out and looked at it and blasted him with a beam of light. And he, they left and he came back and he was gone. Yeah, that's all fine. But it knew he was coming. Anybody who's done UFO 101 knows their technology is far beyond ours. And you can bet your ass they knew he was coming. And we all know that at least the major three abduction ones are very telepathic, so it would be easy for them to do suggestions into these guys' minds. This was the research that was done. This case was just like the research done in the Benny Barney Hill case. It was poor. Um, they didn't know what they were looking for. They didn't know what they were understanding, frankly. And then later on in the interview with Travis, I asked him towards the end of the interview, I said, well, Travis, he's telling me about you know sneaking out and getting down the hallway and then getting in the room and then getting caught, and then uh, they brought him out, and they handed him over to this guy and this girl that were talking to him. And he said he was talking to him, you know, not telepathically, but through their mouth. And I asked him, he described the area, he said it was a hangar, like an airplane hangar. I think he even said there was hang planes there. Um, and he, there was a table, he was sitting on like a, like a stainless steel table or gurney or something, he was talking to him. And I asked him to describe the suits. Like, were they space suits? Were they like Center for Disease Control suits and countersuits, stuff like that? And he said the latter. He did not call them spacesuits. He said they looked more like one of the suits you would see, like the CDC guys wear. So that's up there. Um, you know, those, that, that's information that no one's ever talked to Travis about. But what's important about that is, is that that is not extraterrestrial. What it looks like, and we've got cases of this happening since then, is it looks like they did a handoff. It's like they handed him off to the military or to somebody. I don't, I don't want to say the military, but to some human factor. That human factor is the one that put him back, and it might have been why he was gone so long. The aliens might have had him for two or three days. The human Milabs might have had him for two or three days. But when he told me, when he described those people to me, I knew right then and there those were not human-type aliens. Uh, because the human type aliens don't have anything to do with the type of other aliens he was talking about. So it sounded like humans. Uh, and, and that's why I asked him pointed specific questions about it. And if you listen to the interview, you can find out that it does sound like we're talking about someone from the CDC, someone from Center of Disease Control, some type of organization that was worried about being contaminated and wanted to take a good, long, hard look at this gentleman to see what they can find. And that's why I bring up the Betty and Barney Hill case so much because it happened with the Hills. I don't know why people fight this so hard. The government knew about Barney, so when, when it happened, they snatched him the next day so that they could do, and, and he described a lot of the same stuff. And even some of the experiments that go on are probably similar. Uh, here we are a few years later, well, about a decade later, uh, with the Travis case, and it sounds like he was handed off to the military as well. So I'm not sure what was going on there, but in these cases it does sound like that. More because they talk about terrestrial technologies being involved. None of the races we, we investigate use terrestrial technologies. 
They don't have roller gurneys. They don't have swinging doors. They don't use hypodermic needles in the type of, like we use hypodermic needles. They use needles, not hypodermic needles. A big difference. Um, it, it's a, it's just the technologies are far different. So when you hear people talk about gurneys or swinging doors or maps or paperback books or paper books at all, uh, you got to kind of go, uh-huh. So somebody else was involved. So in both these cases, I do think there was some government factor involved in both cases. Don't know why. Um, you know, maybe because of the way Travis was taken, they felt they needed to uh, look him over. I don't know what it was, uh, but it's very interesting stuff. And I got to say, when you listen to the interview, you can hear it in his own voice when I'm asking him these questions. And you know, when we were talking at the first break. He said, I've never had an interview like this one before. I said, yeah, I asked different questions. <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. I said, and he, he asked me why. I said, he said, did I prepare for it? I said, somewhat. I said, the thing of it for me is, Travis, is I've interviewed a lot of people over the years. And I said, when you've interviewed Stanton Friedman 10, 11, 12 times, you've got to get original. You've got to ask questions he hasn't heard before. Because, you know, not for the audience, because a lot of the audience is new. But I've heard him speak a lot of times. So I don't want to be bored while, while I'm doing the show. So I'll ask him all kinds of questions. Or I'll tell him stuff that will get him off on other stuff, but um, that's how you have to do interviews. And, uh, and in this case, it's exactly how Travis was done. And then there was a follow-up interview done with Angela Joyner. Um, he had done an interview with Angela Joyner, and I believe November Hansen also did an interview with him. All these interviews were probably within about nine months of each other. Uh, there's a lot of material covered in this six hours. We're going to put up as one set, by the way. Um, well, what I'll do is, is, is it'll be a three-set, or uh, you can purchase them individually. So uh, those will go up sometime in the next two weeks, so they'll be available, too, so people can go listen to them. They're really, really, really good. All three of the shows are really good. They're very well worth listening to. And just to, to listen to a regular speaker get asked questions he's not used to hearing is, is well worth the interview itself. Um, I enjoy listening to those myself because I like interviews where you get stuff that no one else has gotten. You're kind of like, yeah, look at that. Dude, we got Joe. a lot of those. Yeah. If if the if they if the aliens knew that he was coming, why did the uh, spacecraft um, zap him? Probably get his ass. Okay. The day uh, of, to stop the to stop him from being scared and running back to the truck. I don't know. They just zapped. I don't know why they zapped him. They they may have been just pushing him away. No, because they knew he was coming. They zapped him. They just zapped his ass because it knocked him out cold from what he said. So uh, they just zapped him. They would so have probably zapped really, the rest of them if they didn't take off. Maybe they just felt like it. You know, and, and they and that probably what it was a stunner beam of some kind. So it really didn't cause him any kind of injuries or kill him like not, they say on TV? No, nah, no, nah, he didn't die or anything like that. From what I understand, there wasn't no broken bones or anything like that. I mean, I know there was a lot of soreness and, and other problems that he, he's talked kind of shared about. But um, as far as I know, there wasn't any broken bones or anything along those lines. Uh, seven, I think it was five or seven days of time. I'd have to go look for sure. But um, he had been gone a little while. And uh, that's really is the signature thing for that, for his case is the amount of time he was actually gone. Um, what did they do with him in all that time? What was going on? Uh, in the movie, they portray him that he, they thought he was dead and he came back to life. I'm not thinking extraterrestrials are making that kind of mistake. but um, it, it was a very weird 
type of abduction. But when you listen to him talk, when you really get to talk to him in person and talk to him and ask him the right questions, you do get basically kind of a different story. Um, you know, it's a little bit different than than the way his book or the movie portrays it because the fact that they knew he was there, <clears throat> the fact that that was probably humans in the hangar and not ETs, uh, suggest a lot of things that neither the movie or his book covered. Um, so, in so Japan, he did not he okay. did not get abducted by um, the human aliens. No, the once he describes on a ship are not human aliens, and the only thing he described as humans is the things inside the hangars, and he said they spoke English, not not telepathically, but spoke English and and you know just English English. So I, I didn't ask him if there was an accident or anything like that, and. Um, yeah, and when I asked him about the outfits because they were in, in protective gear, he said it didn't seem like spacesuits, not like Apollo suits or anything like that. So um, it, that suggested that these were contamination suits, and they were worried about being contaminated by whatever he was exposed to on board of an alien craft, which makes total sense to me because the human aliens wouldn't have been in a spacesuit unless they were that original species that the Sumerians talk about. They can't breathe our atmosphere, but I don't know what they would be doing here in a first damn place. So... Um, it's, now that, that that clears it up for me now, thank you. It's 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 one of those things that you get you, you got to look at it, all the angles and see what's going to come out. But and then there's always room for things that might change in or new interpretations. It's just the the Travis case is an interesting case. But when you add the the fact that the aliens knew he was there and that he was handed off to the government, suggests that it may not have been completely arranged. But more than likely, if that was a scout craft of some kind, while it was going up that mountain, it spotted them and decided that was the clear and decided to stop and wait for him. Um, and when they got there, they just you know, called him and he, uh, he came like a dumbass and zap. They got him and the guys drove off. Um, that wouldn't be the first time that that scenario has happened, by the way. So, I mean, it won't be, it probably isn't the last time that that scenario has happened. So when you look at it like that, you you got to kind of wonder what exactly was going on. And then we found out, and I asked him about this in the show that night too. <clears throat> we had found out that there was actually a gentleman from the CIA had been in this woods the night, the same woods, the night Travis was abducted. It's almost like he was monitoring the abduction itself. Don't know what it means. It's just fishy, and we'll leave it at that. May not mean it. You know, with France, CIA? Nah. It might, you know what, Callie, it might be on the archive, so you might check the archive and see, but um, I, I may have been something I asked him, it may not have been. And um, we talked about that a little bit and a couple other things, but there were several new things that came out on that show about that case that no one had ever talked to, to him before about. And you could tell he was quite happy at the end of the interview. I asked him, he was. He said, I had a lot of fun, I hadn't been interviewed like this before, and, and um you know, he said come back. He's invited back any time. I just hasn't been nothing I really wanted to talk to him about because in Travis's case, I really like Travis. But once he's talked through the whole experience, because it's only the one experience, there's not much other place to go with it. I guess is what I'm saying. And um, and then you like confirm that he may have actually been abducted before and might still be abducted, or like when I asked him that question, he he, the way he answered it suggests that he may have had contact since. But, i got to say this up front, he did not say that he did. It was just, if you listen to the way he answers the question, it suggests 
but it's it's not a, a guaranteed yes or no. So, uh, do you also think he could be uh, too scared to remember as well? Maybe, and they may have just blocked it out. Uh, you know, y'all know I have a, a fundamental problem with a, a single one-time abductee. So, um, yeah. it, it, and, it and of course, and you he, that just, I'm just yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. And I was going to say, and you meant, I think mentioned on, on a show when you were talking about him that his kids may be, a, like he has kids, right? Yeah, he's got kids. Yeah. And that they may be abducted too. Yeah, well, like, well, you know, now Steve Pierce has come out and said he's an abductee, and 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 I really haven't done enough interviews with him to know whether he is or he isn't. I mean, you know, I got to be honest about that. And in Travis' case, I mean, we have to go by Travis. But the big plus with Travis is, and I, and I said this with Travis, and, and he he said he would, you know, when he found out I did voice stress and all, he said he was more than willing to be voice stress. Of course, the man's been polygraphed five times; he's passed all five times. That's that's a big boast for anybody, even even a, a known person who can get around polygraph. Five of them bitches is tough, and he had some of the toughest uh, people in the country give them to him. So uh, you know they wanted to fail him any way they could, and he passed with flying colors, no less, every time. So it suggests one thing for sure. Whatever happened to Travis, whether what he thinks it is or it's something else, he believes it wholeheartedly. There is no doubt in his mind that this happened to him or something happened to him. Um, because to pass a polygraph that easily... Not unless you're on drugs, and he just doesn't look like the type that would do drugs. So um, it's it's interesting yeah. to, to see how it unfolds. But it's it's good. Who was that from six seven eight calling in? Hey, uh, that's that's me. Hey, what's up, man? You can get in. Uh, speak up. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Michael from Georgia. Hey, hey, what's up, man? Uh, I have a question about um, you were talking about memory earlier, and I'm thinking about dreams. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you tell the difference between dreams that might be memories and dreams that might just be, you know, random stuff? It's a tough one. Uh, awakening dreams are very interesting. Um, the best way I can describe this is they feel different. Um, for me personally, and this is the only way I can really describe this, an awakening dream feels like reality to me. It doesn't feel like a regular dream. Dreams, you know, random dreams in your head or things that you're dreaming about or things that you know are probably dreams you can rule out. Awakening dreams really kind of feel like you're participating, you're part of it. But the reason they call them awakening dreams is you feel consciously awake in the dream. Um, and you really are in the fact that you're, it's not so much your subconscious experiences. That you're, that's why you remember them when you wake up, actually, um, because they're played more in your front and your conscious memory than they're on your subconscious memory. And so, therefore, you remember them much more clearly you, than you're the ones. Go ahead. Would you say that you know, I think I, wait, wait, wait. Let, let him go first, Callie. Go ahead. No. Well, we'll just go Georgia, Callie. Georgia, go, man. Right, <laughs> Georgia. We got, we got Pittsburgh, too, so we, we just go by the States tonight. <laughs> go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. But, well, would you say that it's more like a, more akin to, say, a lucid dream, the feeling of being yeah. in control, like you're talking about? Yeah. It, to me, lucid, wake, and dream are all the same things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're all rolled up into the same things. If, um, for me, one of the first things we teach people, we teach people how to dream leave. So 
conscious dreaming is, is an important thing that you can control a lucid dream and the fact that if you're participating in it, and it is something that's allowed for change, you can participate and make change in it. Sometimes awakening or lucid dream is a, a glimpse or a view of something. Uh, a lot of people think it's a, a glimpse of the view of the future. It may be. It may be a glimpse or a view of something in the past. It may be something in the immediate present. It really depends on the individual, but there is no doubt when you have one what it is. I mean, it's really, it feels just completely different than a normal dream. It does feel like you're, it's just like you're awake and participating in the dream. And, yeah, uh, I have recently and that's what I'm asking. And, and it's good to write them down, man, because they do fade after a while. I'll, I'll tell you a little secret, because we tell all, all people experiences have, have experiences to write down as much as you can, because what you do, and don't even worry about reading it, just write it down. And then every month or so, maybe every two months, it goes, take a pen, or take a highlighter and go through it and just read through the whole two months. And you'll be amazed how much of this shit ties in together with each other. Uh, well, I, don't go back, I don't go back and reread my dreams so much. Occasionally, I'll go back and you know, cross-reference something. Mm -hmm. But I do write them down. Uh, and I have been for several years, which is why uh, I had trained something irregular. And so yeah. I guess I was looking for more... Um, well, there's, there's a lot of things. There's, there's a lot of things that go on in lucid dreaming. I mean... One, what triggered the lucid dream? What, what is it? What is it that you've changed in your life, or what is it that you're seeking or looking for, or that has entered your life that's triggered you to have a lucid dream? Because it really, unless there's something going on, there's no real need for them. Unless you're studying something or involved in something, or trying to change uh, consciousness in your own head or something, there's no real need for lucid dreams. That they really come to people more who are actually pushing the boundaries, I guess is what I should say. Uh, so what is it you think that triggered it? I mean, did, was there a family event? Was there some type of contact event? Was there something well, just... It was, out of, oh, go ahead. it was definitely a contact type event. I just don't know. And I, I may have actually, you know, seen these things before, or at least seen one type of seeing uh, a few times before. But it's been a long time ago, you know, and uh, I haven't had much activity. So it's kind of weird for it to start now, like, in any form or fashion, again... Uh, well, well, let me ask you a question. How old are you? Uh, I'll be 37 in just a couple days. Oh, okay. Well, that's why then. All right. Uh, to help you out with this, how old were you when you were remembering a lot of the stuff in your 20s? No. Um, actually, the majority of stuff occurred when I was very young, more very, like very in young. Five, five to eight range. Okay. Yeah, pre, pre, okay, my little friend stuff. Okay, cool. They, uh, well, I asked because this is what happens a lot. You have pre-puberty, which is what you're talking about. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. And they let you remember a lot more because there's nothing really hostile in there that really is going to leave you like, oh, shit. Uh, from puberty up to about 30, there's a lot of stuff in there that will leave you like, oh, my God, what, what did I get into? But, Usually, if you are a true contactee and you're a lifelong contactee, if you were being picked up at kids, you're definitely a lifelong. They've just been blocking out your 20s because it's horrific. Uh, awakening well, starts. Has weird, well, awakening has has starts to this to me when I was a teenager. Yeah. Like, it was just, I couldn't, it was completely blocked out. Like, I wasn't able to hang Well, it. yeah, it was blocked out. And trust me, leave it blocked out. Those things with the milky machines and up in the air. And she, you don't even remember none of that shit. Trust me on this. I've hypnotized people. 
Yeah. I've hypnotized enough people in their twenties. Did you trust me? If you don't have to remember it, don't worry about it, because it's 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 not significant in the part that it's significant because you've been taken, but it's not significant because of what they were doing. It's nothing that they're actually trying to harm you or even change you. It's what they do. It's the procedures they run through those years and what they're actually using you for in those years. But by saying that, after thirty the contact experience changes. Usually from about 32 to about 37, 38, it's just kind of like a lull with maybe some strange little things and maybe a weird light in the sky, maybe a passing thing in the living room or some shit. Uh, but then, but then the awakening kicks in. If you're useful, now I've got to be blunt about this because it doesn't work for everybody this way. It's a 1% to 2% of contactees is how it works. The rest of them just go on with their daily lives and don't even realize most of this. Uh, the awakening kicks in. The awakening does a lot of things. First off, they start leaving shit that you cannot deny, whether it comes in a form. And, and if you've ever heard my show before, you will hear me say that it usually starts with lucid dreaming. You'll start having these dreams that you're like, oh, shit, I've done this. I've seen this. I've experienced this. I'm part of this. The dreams are so damn real, sometimes it, it, it makes you want to jump out of your skin. And then you start to realize that a lot of this is actually real. Uh, so then you start looking at that, and then the awakening steps up even more. And what you'll start happening is you'll have undeniable experiences, shit that basically there is no way you can say other than what just happened. Um, there yeah. will be none of that, oh, well, that was a light in the sky. Oh, shit, no, that was a ship just landed over the top of my head and, and just dragged me up into it. There is no more doubt. I mean, they deliberately do it because if you're going to be useful for them, you have to lose the fear, accept what they want you to do, and move on with it. Because that, yeah, right there. It, it, yeah, it benefits both of y'all, and uh, and that's just the way it works. But not everybody can handle it. Okay. Um. Well, I think the the reason for the dream possibly might be that I've been working at the, the fear issue because typically it does cause me anxiety. You know, especially yeah. if I go back and try and probe my own memories, and once I get close to you know making progress, I. I usually get way too much anxiety until I just cut it off and, you know, do something else. But um, it well, seems yeah, like I've changed, changed recently and my anxiety are handling it better somehow or another. Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Age alone helps, um, especially for men. Well, even for women. I should say especially for men. As we get older, we realize stuff. At 37, you're not a young man. You're a man-man. You know, you earn X amount of respect. You deserve X amount of respect just for making it to 37. Um, so, you know, you start to view the world differently. See, like when you hit 40, 41, 42, your, your basic view of the world is going to change in ways I, I would tell you, but you just wouldn't believe me. Um, it's, it's part of as growing as a human, but also being part of this contact thing. They count on that. They use that. They know that, you know, you become more secure in who and what you are. The more you become secure in your own personal self and your own personal life, the more you become secure with everything else in life, including them. And they understand that. They deal with that. They, they I hate to say prey on it, but they do. Uh, it's, it's a very unique way of doing things, but it works for them and it works for us. But it also we, weeds out the ones that can't handle it. So what happens with them is, this is what will happen. One day... It'll be like, well, I, I, I don't get abducted. I don't have abductions. What's an abduction? Or, or all of a sudden, they'll leave what they know until that point, and there just won't be any more abductions. They just won't use them anymore. They'll be like, well, uh, we don't really need you anymore. Uh, you kind of scare us, so we're going to leave you alone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, things along those lines. But 
Um, and that's one of the things that it's hard for contactees to understand. All contactees start pre-birth and run up, and at least until your 20s. Uh, they do decide from time to time that certain, like, you know, siblings in the family, there might be two kids, five kids, ten kids, whatever. One of the kids may be what they need. Five of the kids may be what they need, but it's rarely going to be all of the kids. So a lot of those will probably stop somewhere in their mid-20s. They'll just stop having abductions. Now, of course, if they have children, they will go abduct those children uh, and see if they need to be part of the program. So it's not well, always... Okay. seems like they left off, left me off like for a period of time. Well, it's probably like what they did is just close the memory is probably all they did. Um, ET's got a real good thing they use, especially at Gray's, for looping memories. And uh, So there's no real way to know. What they'll do is they'll pick you up, they'll take you, and there's not missing time anymore, especially with the Gray's. Gray's just slides you out of, out of, out of time do whatever they're going to do and put you right back where they basically took you from. Uh, and then they loop your memory. So it might be like watching TV, riding in your car, going to work, coming home from work, having dinner with an old lady, whatever, uh, just whatever mundane thing it might be, uh, something that you do all of the time that you really would not challenge the memory. And they just loop it. And you're just kind of like... Speaking of that, it's uh, speaking about that, like this question is actually for Georgia. I'm just, I'm just going to call you like, Georgia, Georgia, because I can't guys. remember your name. But like, er, like earlier, you mentioned how you remember seeing like this one kind of being. being like, do you like remember what what it like looked looked like or anything? Hmm. Um. Yeah, I remember some features. Uh, certain facial features, I don't uh, don't seem to recall. But I think it's just you know I kind of blocked it over the years. But yeah, I remember some features. And where are they? Well, the the first thing that I saw was a couple, a pair of red lights, and I thought it was like candles, you know. And anyway, these little red lights like came over to my window, and uh, I ended up look, looking at this thing like through the window, face to face. Is I don't know, midnight, one o'clock, you know, at night. And uh, it was um, as best I can remember, it was really light colored, like it was really pale. It's almost white, as far as I can recall, maybe kind of a ash. It seemed like it was wrinkly or something like that. Like it had wrinkly skin, a weird, kind of weirdly textured skin. I don't remember it having a nose. I remember seeing that. I was like, what is that? You know, like it just had a little it was either like a really small nose or or just you could see maybe the nostrils or something. It didn't seem to have any ears. Huh? Like little slits on the face. Like yeah, I think so. I mean, I've seen I've seen so many pictures of aliens and stuff. You know, as I've grown up, that I go back and like I don't want to like you know Can't contaminate my memories. Yeah, but I definitely remember that it didn't seem to have a nose. It didn't seem to have any ears. Um, it was very very pale. I don't remember seeing the eyes at this point. Like I thought at some point that the red things were the eyes, but then it kind of... When I was looking right at it, I don't remember seeing any eyes. I do remember seeing, like, a, you know, the overall face. I realized this was a person or an intelligent thing that was looking at me, you know, and it looked like it had um, hair, like real very fine, thin, white hair or something similar to that, like on the mm. top... That sounds like a hybrid, actually. 
kind of like a high hairline, that far back hairline. Mm, it, it but I, I can't say for sure. Uh, it definitely sounds more like a hybrid. It's kind of weird. I wonder what's up with that. They, um, well, every now and then you just you, the hybrids for some reason pop up out of nowhere and stuff. Uh, it's it's kind of if a they strange. Stretch both it's all white. Well, it's kind of weird the the way they just pop up. Or and then some people don't call them hybrids. Some people seem to think that that rogue group of greys kind of melded some human DNA. But there ain't no way to really know that. There isn't any real way to know that. I should say. Um, does, at this point, until we get some better information, there's no way to to know what goes on, what the hell goes on with that. I should say, because um, when you start to anytime any well, anytime you mention the hair thing, unless it's on say like the human aliens, um, it's usually they want to say usually a hybrid, but those are, those are not hybrids like people think. Everything says these. These, these races of hybrids running around, what they've been doing is they've been creating host bodies or, or husk bodies for us. And uh, each each hybrid is the the evolution of the new husk body. That's why you don't really see hybrids much anymore uh, because they've, I think they've really perfected the host body now. I don't think they really need to do that part of the program anymore. And I rarely hear contactees talking. It's not, not completely unheard of, but they're usually not young anymore. They're usually you know older or... or 20s or older, I should say. Uh, but in the old days, you used to hear a lot about young hybrid kids and, and young this hybrid, young that. And today, you just don't really hear that anymore. So I really think they've moved on. At least part of that program has moved on, I should say. But it, it's it's definitely growing and evolving. Hmm. Yeah. What the hell is that? Sorry, I got a bunch of IMs coming at one time. Oh, yeah, I know it's over nine, guys. Sorry, I know. We're going to go back another ten minutes. I'll just calm down. That's, that's our listening audience. No, let me know we run run over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Oh, and I'm sorry, man. I, put you, I know I put you in Pittsburgh instead of Philly. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> you know, a good friend of mine used to live in Philly. She moved out to uh, Portland, Oregon, because she said, y'all people in Philly are crazy. Um, yeah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia is okay. It's, it has its bad, bad moments, but... It's okay. Some nights, some nights, not okay. You damn Yankees. Just fake. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. Uh, I have a lot of fun with it. You know, that, that I was thinking about that the other day. Someone had written to me and asked me about the, um, uh, what's her name's case? The one with, oh, no, I can't think of her name. I'm going to say Cass Landry, but I don't think that's it. Um, anyway, it was the lady who they took out of the New York high rise. And the uh, ambassador and the two Secret Service guys seen it go down. Uh, that's an interesting case. And what really is, is to really the most interesting about that case is here is a big city, busy, 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 busy city. Uh, New York never sleeps. So it's a busy, busy, busy city. Here comes a UFO who takes a woman from a high-rise building out of the window and brings her up to the craft. And, and a, a U.S. ambassador and two Secret Service agents witness it. But nobody else even reports it in that whole big wide city or in that very, very busy street. Now, have you seen a bunch of guys in black and blue suits staring up at the sky? Wouldn't you look up? I mean, I would. I'd be like, what the hell are they looking at? Well, I'm serious. I mean, I, I would look up to see what they were looking at. Uh, so I'm kind of weirded out about that a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure they didn't take off four of them, to be totally honest with you. Um, I think that's really one thing. Yeah. What was that? Shouldn't there be some video of that incident? You'd think they would be, but it's it was 
what was it, 79, 89, I think it was. I'd have to go look and see for sure. But uh, not like they got today. But you would think, and if it happened today, you would think there would be video. But I know uh, the Mexico City sighting just recently uh, where that thing was uh, Jaime and Assange reported, it flew around. Mexico was in and out of the city all day long, and nobody managed to get any video. Well, I think two people got video, but out of all the 22 million people that lived there and all the street cameras they have up like we do, you would think somebody would have caught it. Now, it is something interesting. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because I asked a guy I know, uh, Kurt West, that uh, works for um, he works for our Phoenix, Arizona light company, you know, the, the ticket companies. They put the cameras out on your on your poles. He said that there's like a 25% um, flash problem at night in several areas in different states he was talking about. Like something came near the cameras and caused some type of magnetic field that interfered with the electronics or, or messed with the hard drives or messed with the transmissions, um, which I found funny or suspicious because, you know, they don't actually... Most of the ones don't have on-site hard drives. The hard drives are usually located at uh, wherever the signal is being sent to, uh, in a computer at, you know, the police station or at the courthouse or at their department, more than likely, uh, is where it's being transmitted to. So, yeah, I kind of wonder about that. Um, but there is like a 20 25%. He said that at nighttime, it's just like something got close to the thing. And he named a couple cities. Phoenix was one of them. Uh, he talked about a couple other places in the south and then a couple places up north, uh, which happen to be areas where UFOs are sighted. Does it mean they caught a UFO? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that something interferes with them damn cameras at night. You know, maybe somebody's got some kind of beam they shoot at them when they're driving. I don't know. Uh, but it is interesting, and it just is coincidental that these cities happen to be hot zones for UFOs. But like I said, it doesn't it, prove it. What was it? Is it hey. the UFOs, or is it just the cities that don't want to be able to <clears throat> have the videos to display? I would like to, yeah. You, you, you see that? Well, they don't actually get them. The, um, from what I, um, the way it works is the company that owns the camera gets them, and then they send it to the district attorneys and all. Uh, the, the picture or the videotape with the picture still frame broke the law, and um, that's what they send to them. So they could actually be holding them high. And it, it's quite possible because there's only a couple of these companies that are out there and do that. And if the government's involved with them, they could actually you know easily easily um, police that. That shouldn't even be a big deal to police that. So um, it is interesting. Does it mean anything? I don't know. Now I tell you what I did find interesting is these uh, fake cell phone towers all over the United States. Those are most interesting. <clears throat> we addressed it on, well, we addressed it on last week's radio show on, on news on the flip side, but in Nevada and, and uh, Washington, D.C., Maryland, a couple other states, they have fake cell phone towers. What they do is is they hack into your phone and upload everything that's in your phone can monitor every voice and text communication as long as you're in range of that tower, um, which is a pretty decent range. So, Plus, it can send you text and conversations. So for some reason, somebody feels the need to be stealing a bunch of uh, audio. It could be, it could be, they said it could be the NSA or the CIA. They said it could be foreign countries spying on diplomats. It could be all kind of stuff, but no one even the government has not said what they are. 
Uh, they oh, just, are you talking about these interceptor towers? These yeah, the ones those uh, X phones found, or those, uh, whatever they call those new cell phones. Those those fancy Samsung threes that are four hundred, four thirty five hundred dollars uh, encrypted. They're the ones finding them. Uh, they they it trips the alarm on the phones when they get near one of them uh, because they're trying to oh, hack the cool. phone. I I I think I have one by my house. It looks like a fake tree. No, those are those are real towers. Some neighborhoods require you to um, make your cell phone tower look like a tree. We got them all over like that. Um, they actually require that, so it's not a big eyesore in a neighborhood. That just cracks me up, to be honest with you. Um, but <clears throat> it's more ugly, uglier than the real thing. And some of them, I have to agree with that. Some of them, they do look more ugly than the real thing. When you put them in certain areas, like in the woods and all, they don't look that bad. But when you stick them in a city where there's no 30-foot pine trees... And these trees don't have no limbs on, I mean, no leaves on them, so they just look like a dead tree standing in the air. It's stupid shit. It's, um, well, you know, here's a piece of goofy information for everybody listening tonight. Two kids in Scotland figured out how to track X-117 stealth fighters. And uh, everybody was like, well, that's impossible. This, this, this same area also figured out how to track Russian stealth missiles. Cell phone towers, by the way, pick up stealths. The stealth transmissions screw with the cell phone towers when they pass them. So you can track the stealth by the cell phone tower. But you also track like a B2 bomber or something? Or uh, no, that's too high. I, think, I think they're too high. I, I, think, I, I don't know, Callie, for sure if there's a height limitation, but from the gist of the conversation I got... It sounds like they're limited uh, to like 20,000 feet or 30, whatever air, um, commercial air traffic is, because I thought the FCC said that uh, cell phones that we use cannot go ab- above that altitude because they would interfere with uh, military equipment. Um, and But you can use them on your plane for some reason. I, don't, I have no idea why. But uh, anyway, I don't know if they go any higher than that. But they might. I mean, I can't rule it out. I, you know, they, they may or they may not. About UFOs, do they interfere with cell towers or are they affected by someone? No, I don't, not that I know of. Uh, UFOs seem to be able to adapt to anything we've got, uh, whatever it may be. I know a lot of people seem to think that um, Roswell, a lightning bolt, brought down a spacecraft. And it was a good theory, whoever put it up, but... <laughs> It was kind of a flawed theory. You know, there's a lot of power in a, in, a, in a lightning bolt, but not near the power it would take to even get a ship to faster than light speed. So if a ship can go faster than light, I don't think a lightning bolt's going to affect it. I've got to be honest with you. I don't think it's going to phase it. I don't even think the soil on this planet would phase it. I think the damn thing, if it crashed, would crash intact and probably bury itself deep on the surface. What was that? I think I heard that it was radar as well. Probably. Well, some people said it was radar too that that caused it to to crash. The problem is, is is I mean, the universe is full of radar waves and gamma waves and all kind of other waves. I I just can't see a craft that can travel through space that's going to be affected by any waves we can produce here on Earth. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I also don't see that there's any energy fields on this planet big enough to bring down one of those craft, simply for the fact that the way they have to travel through space. Now, by saying that. Let me correct some stuff here. We're talking about a full-scale UFO. I mean, like a gray ship or a reptilian or a human ship. Now, it could have been 
like a cargo ship or a transport. That's an entirely different craft. That is not a faster-than-life craft. That's a craft that just goes from the surface and goes and comes back. It doesn't have to be as rigorously built as a, a, a real UFO would be. So when you think about it, it is possible that a lightning bolt could have brought down a craft like that, or I doubt microwaves could have, but maybe a lightning bolt could have. But the problem with Roswell is, is that there's supposedly two crash sites. There seems to be a site where there was a debris field, and then there seems to be a site where a craft came down intact. So what it sounds like is, uh, because at the, at the site where it came down intact, they said they found... Was it three or four bodies with this pinkish hue to them? It was like humans that had been highly contaminated by radiation that had started to distort their bodies. That's their description, by the way. The graves were found near the ship that was busted up in pieces, which I would think, because of the size and the debris field, was an escape craft, not the actual ship. I think either, either when, we, when we won the war with the Germans, we probably captured a UFO. Or however they got it, I don't know. But they did talk about it in 1913 that they had possession of them. Uh, hell, they built six prototypes, so they had possession of something. Uh, it does seem like that. Were they alive or dead? Uh, they said three were dead, one was taken back and survived for a short time and then died. Um, that's the official story. Now, you know, official story and what really happened could be entirely, entirely different things. Uh, there was no one found alive at the second crash site near Corona. So. Um, Neither, neither one of these sites. So it really does sound like that. Now, what's interesting about this is, let's say that we did capture this craft. Somehow we got our hands on the Gray spacecraft. Or somebody's. It may not even be Gray's. maybe may somebody else's. So anyway, the Gray's decide that, look, all right, y'all idiots are going to fly this. Let us help you out. Something went drastically wrong. Probably something humans couldn't figure out. And the Greys jumped in their, their escape pod and went on, and the humans went on down and rode the craft down and died. But it, regardless, everybody died when they crashed. But it does sound more plausible than some UFO spaceship that just flew a billion miles crashed on Earth because of radar or a lightning bolt. Uh, it just that doesn't add up. But this, on the other hand, would have. So if we did have a controlled ship that we crashed, uh, that would make sense. Or if it was like a shuttle craft or some type of escape pod, that would make sense. Or, or even a transport, you know, something that's, that's not built for rigorous travel through space. I could see something like that, you know, falling apart. Uh, but not so much. And, and even then, I'm not sure, because like titanium, if you form it, it'll keep its form. You could slam it into Earth pretty fast. It might kill everybody inside because no inertial dampeners, but the, the ship itself would stay intact. So that means there's probably materials that they're way stronger than that that they could build. So even their, their escape craft and all are probably built to say, out of the same materials. Um, so I, I'm thinking something else went on here, but I don't think a spaceship flew a billion miles and then crashed into Earth. It's not that it ain't po isn't possible, it is. Uh, anything is possible, and, and something could have went wrong in space, and, and the craft crashed out of control and slammed into the Earth. Uh, but now, if that was what happened... Either it would have been buried so deep we wouldn't have been able to recover it, or it would have just disintegrated. I mean, smashing in a planet at 60, 70, 80, or a million miles an hour, I don't think you're going to find much. So those... And, those and, if, it was a, and if it was a great ship, and how do you say, like, they're actually more, seem more, like, organic than, than metallic, do you think it would decompose it much quicker? It might have. And, and, you know, I've often wondered about that, Cali, how the outside of a gray ship is. I know, I wonder if it's got like a hard outer shell 
um, like, you know, how an animal grows a protective shell or something yeah. along those lines. I've often wondered, but do you, you hear people when they talk about running their hands along the edge of one of them, they always tell you the same thing. They just feel hard, smooth, and cold. Uh, that's all. That's all they ever say. So it does feel like a metallic surface, uh, but I guess it's attached to whatever soft nougat's inside. <laughs> or just some very neat, neat product of synthetic biology. Yeah, like, yes, it's, it, it, it is. It's, here, like, different concepts of that. And, and like before I forget, and before the show ends, like two things I want to say. Like one, like have you you were talking about interesting stuff you found from the Travis Wal- Wal- Walton case. Have you found any interesting stuff from the Thomas from the Reed family case? Because personally, I find like the ant-headed alien, alien pretty interesting because that because it generally like fits the gray description or anything like that. And the yeah, second thing, I'd like to get it. I, I was talking about that. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And the second thing, thing like you're talking about talking about the lucid dreams earlier. That sounds a lot like what I just just wrote wrote in this this fiction piece that I actually shared with. You. Within your timeline, and I was yeah. I also want to let you know. You know, I posted posted that it was the kind of the first chapter of the story concept using that uses iPartner information that I got. I just want to know if you saw that or read that yet. I saw it today. Actually, I haven't read it yet, but I saw it earlier today. I actually pulled it and put it on my uh, list. So I won't forget about it because if I leave it where it's at, I'll you know it'll roll down in two days. I'll never see it again. So I had to pull it up and yeah. save it so I wouldn't forget about it. But I'll probably read it over the weekend when I got some free time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, let me know what you think of it. And, oh, well, I will. It, all right. But first, like, now, the Thomas Thomas Reed thing, you were going to say something. Well, Thomas Reed, I've talked to Thomas Reed. You know, we talk off off air and stuff like that, and we talk on Facebook and stuff. And Thomas, I would love to get in his head, because I'm not sure, because some of the stuff he says, I'm not, I'm not sure that um, it's all what it appears to be. I would love to get in his head for a little while um, and see what it actually is, um, because I'm not I'm not a hundred. There's a couple things he says that suggest they're cover memories and not real memories. And I know the only person I know he said it hypnotizing was <clears throat> you know, Von Smith, and that was at some little twenty minute thing. And that to me isn't real hypnosis. So it takes me an hour to put somebody under the way I want them under. So. Um, and we usually we do two, three hour sessions of hypnosis. So um, I, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I'd really like to sit down with him because I don't think everything that he thinks is in his head is in his head. And I don't think everything he thinks it is is what it is. You know, it's one thing I've learned over the years because I've done enough of this that a lot of times when you get somebody down and under and they start talking about their experience and you're listening, you're like, well, wait a minute now. That's not what you've been telling me for the last three years. Uh, you know, and of course we're recording it, and they're they're reliving it, so they're remembering it. But we're still recording it anyway. And of course the voice stress meters are running and shit, so you can see all of that yourself and and see the results of it. So I would just like to to be before I picked on him about any any particular animals or anything or or, or things because the ant one could be kind of the praying mantis too, or one of the other bug-eyed ones or things like that. And it wouldn't be the first person who said they seemed like antennae. On a, on a thing, but you know, it's funny, but a lot of times they tell me antenna and they say ant, and then I say, well, take the antenna off and tell me what it looks like. Oh, more like a gray. I said, okay. Uh, so, you know, it might be a gray with some kind of antennas on it. Uh, this, you know, but, but, you know, now if it's got little, you know, pinchers and stuff on its face and stuff like that, that's different. But I do know at least three of the aliens use imagery and puppetry to scare contactees into submission. So, 
um, I got to wonder sometimes if a lot of this just isn't suggestive memory or, or some type of puppetry just to, to pull you in line because, you know what, I hate to say this, but after you've seen a little gray 80 times or so, it ain't really scary anymore. Even if you know it's going to kick your ass, it still ain't really kick. And humans ain't real scary either. Um, reptilians, they still kind of scary, but even after a while, you kind of get like that. So I think sometimes they have to enlist something um, because you, you become kind of numb to whatever they've been doing you. So I think sometimes they have to use something else to elicit that fear or that obedience uh, that they need sometimes. But, they, but, do they have, but do they really think that you have to be afraid of them in order to be obedient to them? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think they actually think that about everybody, but I think some people it's easier to control with fear than with logic. Uh, because I don't think a lot of people get it. I, I think it's just too much for them to understand. But they still are useful. It's just too much for them to understand. You've got to remember, they, they want as many people out there talking about this as they can get. The problem is, is a lot of it ends up being garbage because you know, I don't think they really care what's being said as long as it's being said. Uh, and like I've told everybody, you've got so many contactees and so many stories, who's actually telling the truth and who's not, and which story is actually real and which one's not. I see you there, Tip. Um, they, um, we lost Georgia there, that guy, Georgia. Good for calling in anyway, though, man. But, I mean, a lot of this stuff just, just pans out that way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, if you ever, ever like, do a hypnosis session with concrete, a concrete, be sure to like tell us sure the oh, results sooner, sooner or later I'm gonna do one with him. I just we both in the south now. He's back in, in Florida now, so uh maybe this spring or something I'll drive down or get him to meet me. He's in Miami, I believe, I'm in New Orleans. So maybe I'll get him to meet me up in Pensacola. Or I got a friend of mine who lives in Tampa, maybe we'll uh go hang out at his house and do it there. And um and see what comes out because Thomas really needs to be regressed. There's a lot of missing stuff. I mean, I've interviewed Thomas three or four times there. There's a lot of missing stuff there. I think there's a lot more information in Thomas's head than even Thomas wants to admit to. Um, okay. so that's not just Thomas. You know, I'm saying Thomas, but that's any contact date. I mean, any when you start adding up the amount of missing time versus the amount of memories that you have, it's never the same. When, when you start thinking about how much you've been taken, and how much you remember, it's not even close to the same. You may have 100 hours being taken and 10 hours of memories. So, you know, what's with the other 90 hours? Was I sleeping the whole time? Was I in hibernation? Was something else going on? You know, so a lot of people want to know that. And sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it's not so good stuff. Sometimes it is just what it appears to be. You were in stasis or something. So you just never, never, so, never know. So it sounds like up the, up the famous Famous cases that at least at least I know, know he's his is still the one that has has a lot of information to to give out, while the other ones seem to be just like we just drained out. Well, both Thomas Reed and Travis Walton, I think there's more in their heads than they realize. I think there's quite a bit more there than they realize. I think Travis has a way more information in his head, and I think Thomas has way more information in his head. So I have to be honest about that. I also think that. Um, Oh, which case was it? Damn, I just had him on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. Damn it. Uh, there's another one I want to tell you about that I'm pretty sure has more information. The Allagash case, I really didn't... Um, I didn't research it as much as the other cases for some reason. Or other. There was something about the Wiener Brothers that set me off from the get-go. So 
I just left the case alone. I've had several of our directors investigate it, and they're very mixed on this case. Uh, half of them think it's okay. The other half think it's completely and totally bogus. Uh, so one of these days, I'll have to get out there and read it myself. But I've interviewed these guys, but I just, I just, I don't, the case just doesn't do anything for me. I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's just not something that attracts my attention um, to really investigate it. it. To me, it'd be feeling more like a waste of my time than anything that I would really get out of it. Dude, 340 people viewing a can tonight. Hey, guys, how y'all doing out there? I ain't scared of a Jesus <laughs> out of y'all yet. It's, um, but, you know, both those cases, Travis and, and Thomas, need to be revisited. They, they need to be revisited in a deep and heavy way. Uh, I'd love to get both of them under about a two- or three-hour regression. Uh, God only knows what would come out of their heads. Who knows for sure what would come out of there. Um, I guarantee it would be good any way it went. I mean, as far as anybody who heard it, uh, hell, it might be a, bo- a movie for both of them, a new book deal, a movie for both of them, uh, because there is a lot of information locked up in their hands. But for most contactees, that's true. I mean, you're 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 going to find that, you know, like I said earlier, the memory to hour ratio is is, is very distorted. So. Uh, if you do self sit down and realize, uh, you know, well, I know I was taken this time, this time, this time, but I don't remember anything. Let me try to work on recovering some of that. Remember, you're never going to recover all of it. You're never even going to recover half of it, but you, you can recover some. And you can recover enough to help you realize it needs to be addressed and um, that this is a real phenomenon. That's the easiest way I can say it. But anyway, we're getting ready to get out of here. Let me mention one more time uh, who our guest is going to be next Wednesday. I don't want to be rude. It is R.J. Von Bruning. Uh, y'all can come in and check him out. Burning, I think. No. Bruning. Uh, y'all can come check him out. It, it ought to be a pretty good show. I talked to him earlier today, and uh, we will be getting him on pretty soon for y'all to come check out. Uh, i got a couple other guests coming on. Got somebody you'd like on, or you got a particular the person you'd like send in the uh, email with their information and we'll give them a call on guest until at least uh, probably Halloween probably Thanksgiving and then after that we'll probably be doing info shows until uh, after the first of the introductions until about March so anyway y'all know what our basic lineup's going to be for the next couple of months uh, and I will start posting the guest as we finish scheduling them out once we confirm them so that note, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get out of here. I hope everybody enjoyed the show tonight. I know uh, it's hard on, on my, my, my uh, UFO audience when we do regular, regular science. <laughs> because it's kind of all of them. It's talking about. about but I well, enjoyed hanging that. out in the first hour and talking about Mars and the anomalies on Mars. Um, and one more thing before we go to Mars. Yeah, well, you know, one thing about the.
You're listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal.